cliffcentral.com. It is time for our fourth episode in our series with Grovest. It's all about Section 12J and what you need to know about it. We kick things off with a conversation with the CEO of Grovest, Jeff Miller, to teach you a little bit about Section 12J of the Income Tax Act. And then we heard from Jeff again to talk about whether it's better to invest in a Section 12J instead of taking your money offshore. In our third installment, we got to pick the mind of Next Generation Section 12J, Darren Folds, who is a Meta Capital Fund Manager. And this month, we'll be looking at social impact investing, something which I think is particularly uh, interesting and relevant because it has to do with something which is quite South African in its uniqueness. Section 12J was legislated by the government to encourage South African taxpayers to invest in local companies to receive a 100% tax deduction in the value of their investment. The investor in return receives a Section 12J tax certificate and venture capital shares. Now, that invested amount can be deducted from the investor's taxable income in the year in which the investment is made. And whether you're interested in setting up, looking for someone to finance or administer your venture capital company, cliffcentral.com has discovered that Grovest could be your innovative Section 12J specialist corporate advisory and finance partner. Today, I want to talk about an interesting project called the Mdluli Safari Lodge, which has established a benchmark and landmark for sustainability and community-driven tourism development in South Africa. And to talk to me about it is a non-executive director for Grovest, Malcolm Siegel, who's also corporate advisory and the director for the Mdluli Safari Lodge Limited. So how are you, Malcolm? Great. All good. Thank you very much. Good. I'm very curious about this project. First of all, how long has it been going? What is the Mdluli Safari Lodge before we get into 12J? Yeah. So, look, it's actually a truly remarkable project. Uh, <laughs> I tell you with some trepidation that I've been working on this project for 22 years. Wow. I started working on this uh, <laughs> in uh, the end of 1997, early 1998, which would demonstrate to you that it's been quite a complicated journey. But uh, fortunately now the lodge or first phase of the lodge is now complete. Um, the first phase is 50 luxury tents with all the ancillary facilities, restaurants, bars, gym, spa, etc., etc. And that will be opening uh, in January. Um, the project is actually um, – it's it's really special in the context of of what this country needs. The history, if I can just spend a minute explaining the history, please. The Mdluli community lived um, on land um, adjacent to Pretorius Corp Rest Camp, which I'm sure many of your listeners will know it's in the Kruger, in the Kruger Park, National right? Park. Yeah. Now, in the uh, 1960s. The then apartheid government decided that they wanted to expand the Kruger Park, push the borders to the west, and one day the trucks and the tractors arrived and the members of the community resident there were forcibly removed, pushed to the other side of the railway line and literally dumped um, in the communities um, there to the west. Going then to the mid-1990s, which is shortly before I got involved, the then chief of the uh, Mdluli community, Chief MZ Mdluli, who subsequently passed away, he um, made representation to the then minister, or re the then relevant government minister, who interestingly enough was Derek Harnacom. 
who was recently Minister of Tourism. As you know, he resigned with this uh, uh, quite recently. And um, that the, the late chief was absolutely insistent that they wanted their land back, and uh, the minister agreed. And, in fact, I have the original copy of the letter where Minister Honakum wrote to Chief MZ Mdluli advising that the government uh, agrees to the restitution of the land to the Mdluli community. Now, that's also extremely interesting because subsequent to that, the legislation has been changed. And uh, in the event that there is a land claim in an environmentally protected area, there is no longer ra- land restitution, but the communities get financial compensation in lieu thereof. So, in so, other words, this is a bit of a special case. This is a very, a very special case. Um, that uh, late chief uh, M Z M Luli was an extremely interesting man, uh, as one might uh, understand. He was. Not well educated. He spoke a broken English. He in fact was illiterate, but nevertheless extremely wise. Mm. And he really understood that uh, the impact that this lodge could have on the Mdluli community. And, um, that's the reason why he was so persistent. His, uh, eldest son, uh, now Chief M.I. Uh, Mdluli, he has continued to walk the road in his father's footsteps and has been persistent um, and working together ourselves uh, with the Mdluli community in partnership have been successful in um, developing funding and uh, now recently building the first phase um, of the lodge. So it really is a 50-50 partnership between this community and private investors. And and what is the financial benefit to them, and and what is the benefit to investors? Yeah, so uh, let me deal with the community side of it first. Uh, the community viewed purely from the financial perspective, and I would stress that the benefits are way beyond the pure financial perspective. Yeah. But in the first instance, the community gets a bed levy per guest per night. <laughs> they get a monthly rental for their land, and they then get fifty percent of the profits. Uh, of the lodge. So that is um, extremely beneficial. The investors in the 12J, on the other hand, are also looking for attractive returns. And this is where the magic of Section 12J kicks in, in that because of the effective reduced cost of capital, on the one hand, you can offer 50% of the profits to the community, but on the other hand, Provide the the 12J investors with an attractive financial return. Gareth, we then did something which is really uh, extremely interesting and and innovative and disruptive in the uh, in the leisure industry in South Africa, and I think we will see a lot more of this. What we then said was these lodges effectively operate on a 65 to 70 percent occupancy per annum. A ballpark might be a bit more, might be a bit less, depends on the time of the year and might depend on certain other uh, global, uh, you know, economic and and social factors. But more or less, that's the situation. By definition, then, you've got somewhere between uh, 25 and 30 percent of your beds which are unoccupied on average throughout the year. 
So in our package, what we have done is in addition to offering the investors the financial return and the dividends, et cetera, et cetera, we offer, depending on the size of the investment package, a free bed night package per annum. So, for example, a million rand subscriber for shares in Mdlili Safari Lodge, in addition to the financial element of his investment, would be entitled to 25 free bed nights per annum. Fantastic. And a bed night includes dinner, bed, breakfast, and one game drive activity. It could be if you want to go out on a vehicle with a ranger, or it would, could be a game draw, walk, depending um, on your preference. It's a bit of a virtuous circle in that the investors then also get to see what's happening with their investment firsthand and get to have a bit of a break. Well, and, well in addition to that, one needs to then calculate at least on a notional value what is the value of that investment. And if you take the value of those bed nights, 25 bed nights, at the rack rate of the lodge, 25 per annum, and multiply that by 10, the true economic value of the investment effectively doubles. So the internal rate of return on the package, both financial and non-financial, actually is then in the region projected of 40%. Now, apart from the financial benefits to the community, what are the more indirect ones? You hinted at them and said that they may even be more valuable to those people than the the, the money alone. Yeah. So, I mean, in the first instance, obviously, there's the job creation. And through this first phase of construction, uh, there have been anywhere between 100 and 130 um, community workers on the site. One of the terms of the agreement which we entered into with the Mdluli community is that we would use Mdluli community workers wherever they were available and reasonably skilled. And there's not a huge amount of employment in that area. There's not a lot of development going on. It's it's mostly quite yeah. rural. It's it's desperately poor. The unemployment in the region is uh, around about 60%. Wow. So this so really is, is massive. Mm. Um, in addition to that, now that the construction, or at least the construction of phase one is, is completed, um, the, full, the uh, operating staff of the lodge has been employed and there are 80 employees um, to operate the lodge who will be there obviously on a permanent basis. Mm. And, you know, through this process, there has been uh, extensive uh, skills development, skills transfer. And even now, uh, you know, if one goes to the lodge, we were there this last weekend, uh, the training of the staff um, on really basic things, how to clean a tent, how to serve a guest, yeah. uh, understanding the menu. Uh, you know, it's a luxury lodge. The food needs sure. to be quite sophisticated. And that requires a lot of training, fire, health and safety, etc., etc. Fantastic. Do you have a support base in terms of being able to call on the Kruger National Park, Sand Parks? Are they supportive of the venture? Yeah, so that's actually been one of the most interesting aspects of it. You know, some uh, fairly recently, maybe two or three years ago, there was a, a change in the leadership of Sandparks, and a gentleman by the name of Mr. Fundisile Mkateni uh, was appointed CEO of Sandparks, and we had the opportunity to ourselves, as prospective funders, together with the community, to present to him the benefits uh, to the of of this lodge, and he's been extremely supportive. Fantastic. Uh, great strategic understanding, 
And it's really been a pleasure and a privilege to work with him and his executive team. Well, it's interesting. You mentioned Minister Derek Harnikom, who was recently Minister of, of Tourism, among other things. And I'm sure that there is an indirect and a direct benefit to international visiting to South Africa yeah. and therefore, you know, essentially uh, an inflow of capital from other countries to here. A lot of people love to go on safaris. They like to go out into our national parks. Does the uh, Mdluli Safari Lodge benefit from that? No, absolutely. You know, I think if one looks at this, uh, what we've managed to achieve in, in its perspective of what this country needs, it really <laughs> is a government dream in terms of, in terms of ticking all the boxes. I mean, firstly, there's a matter of a, a land restitution now uh, amicably uh, resolved. Um, I think we all know how contested and how difficult land claims are in South Africa. Sure. So that's a big tick uh, from a government um, a point of view. Then there's the issue we've been discussing of job creation, uh, skills development, etc., etc., and also the small, medium enterprise business opportunities which will propagate from uh, from the lodge. Then, of course. Tourism and particularly international tourism is high on the government's agenda, low-hanging fruit in terms of economic development. This is absolutely in the sweet spot. And then, of course, you have 12J. So really everything that this government could dream of in terms of policy implementation, you have wrapped up in one in one project. It's really the, the perfect test case for them of a number of different things. But there's another element, which is the – I suppose the ecological and environmental best practice when it comes to developing the lodge, because you're not just building, you're creating sustainability here. You're doing it in, in keeping with, with ecological best practice. Sure. So this for me has been interesting. I've never been associated with the development of, of, of a, a lodge in an environmentally sensitive area. And one of the great learnings actually is the degree of sophistication of the legislation, but not only that, the application and the implementation of that mm. legislation, both from the point of view of the Kruger National Park, from, you know, their uh, immediate, it's within their immediate neighborhood, but also the obligation to appoint uh, an environmental officer who visits the the, the site on a regular basis uh, satisfies himself that everything is being done in accordance with the plans which were tabled with the authorities and the way the plan is, has been uh, evolved and this is one of the reasons why it's a tent and I stress a very luxurious tent <laughs> but one of the reasons it's a tent is that it should be ecologic ecologically quite sensitive and a, and a, a soft footprint um, on right. the land. Which clearly these are. So, you know, in respect of that and all issues such as uh, water, sewerage, electricity, building materials, construction methods, um, it's really been for me a very interesting journey and, and a lot of learning. And as I said, really impressive to see how effectively implemented this legislation is. You know, I think we all know that Unfortunately, all too often, government has good intentions with the legislation, but its application and mm. implementation might leave something to be desired, whereas really this has been absolutely fantastic to see. Uh, How often do you get to go? 
<laughs> as often as possible. <laughs> it's well, yeah. Look, it's, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a business venture and, and, you know, we got to deliver returns to the investors, but it's really been a, a privilege and a joy and to work with the community and to develop a rapport and an understanding, uh, sitting in a boardroom with the leadership of the community and dealing with issues of finance and cash flows and corporate governance. It's, it's been a fantastic journey and, and great learning on both sides and very humbling to, you know, we corporate financiers from Santon and, and one's, one's mindset may be, well, you know, we know it all, but actually there's a different wisdom there, which is really a joy to behold and to learn from. Well, congratulations on creating what really is a, a, a an amazing test of so many different things, all working in, in close quarters and everything kind of cohesively moving forward together. It really is a tremendously successful example of what can be achieved when everybody's moving in the same direction. Yeah, no, absolutely. And perhaps if I can, one last commercial is that the last subscription of capital for the lodge is now uh, open and available. If uh, uh, interested parties would like to go onto the website, mdlulisafarilodge.coza, and there's there's obviously the two alternatives. If you're interested in booking at the lodge, the, the website will mm-hmm. take you in that direction. But if you're interested in investing, uh, the website will take you in a different direction, or perhaps if you'd like to do both. Thank Fantastic. you very much. Thank you so much, Malcolm. My pleasure.